Welcome to the Filmmaker's Playbook. My name is Jason Brannigan, and this is a podcast all about filmmaking. This episode features an interview with Rob Higgins and Paddy McGivney. Rob and Paddy are two of Ireland's most exciting filmmakers. Their debut feature film, Lakelands, won Best Irish Feature at the Galway Film Fla, was nominated for four IFTA awards, won Best Narrative Feature at Kerry Film Festival and was named Best Irish Film in 2023 at the Dublin Film Critics Circle Awards. In our conversation, we discuss being self-taught filmmakers, making hyper-personal work, working with Paul Meskel, chasing your story down every possible avenue, and we do a deep dive into the making of Lakelands. Rob and Paddy, thank you so much for joining me. I am really, really looking forward to having a conversation, which is, it might be a good idea, as we are audio only, for you both just to introduce yourself so people know who is talking. Yeah, no bother. This is Rob here. This is Paddy here. First and foremost, I would love to dig into what brought you guys together um, initially as a filmmaking duo and what made you team up to work as a duo as opposed to maybe coming together and helping each other individually make films. Yeah, so we know each other long before film was really, uh, you know, on the horizon at all. We know each other from football when we were uh, kids starting about eight or nine so we grew up together. We had the same group of friends in Longford. You know, it was the sort of thing you would talk about a little bit on nights out and so on about, you know, the world we grew up in and particularly football and the youth culture there and how it would be interesting to, be, to have films about it. But for a long time, it kind of seemed very foreign the idea of being able to do something like that. We weren't raised around the arts being a viable uh, career per se it was it always seemed something very removed and the focus was always on other things uh, more very practical or in sports or stuff like that that's where the, the focus always was so it took a long time for us to kind of come around to uh, the idea of film Um, I was writing on my own for quite a while because it was it was kind of the you were able to fail in uh, you know quietly when you're doing your early works you know no one had to know when you were writing a short story and you didn't get it published or whatever so I was kind of working in that for a long time honing kind of my storytelling I was writing since I was about 17 kind of starting those stories but film always was the most one I wanted to but it was so tricky because it's the most public it's the inverse of that short story failing uh quietly you know you got to go out there you got to invite a big party of people over and everyone's got to see see what you make so I felt like I was building up to that for a long time. And then I suppose we were in our uh, mid-twenties then up in Dublin and we were both working in corporate jobs. Corporate jobs, we uh, weren't getting the most satisfaction out, out of, I would say. And we'd meet up in the evenings and, you know, we started just talking about, for the crack, just making some stuff at home. And, you know, we worked with a, a couple of other lads from home uh, who were who are an interest, uh, my brother Chris, then there was Massey Devaney and Jason Gaynor, a couple of lads from home who all had a bit of an interest in, in film at that time. And we just started making stuff and we kind of got a real buzz off it, I think, that was really missing in what we were doing, you know, up in the city and 
I think as we were progressing in those corporate jobs, the hours were only getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, your your own personal time to be creative was shrinking and shrinking. Um, so this was a bit of a light and like self and Patty kind of, we just related on the sort of stuff we were uh, doing and the, the subject matter we wanted to write about was like completely linked in right away. And after we just started writing these scripts and kind of started to beat the dialogue into, it was a bit like just having the crack in the pub or something, the way we would talk. And, you know, it, it was just, it felt organic. It felt natural. And it was, it was, it was, it felt like a natural extension of what we were doing anyway. It was, so we, um, we pursued that further and just kept on uh, seeing where it brought us. And that kind of brought us into um, looking at making, you know, films a little bit more seriously. A lot of the, the early ones are ones that will never see the light of day. You know, these are ones that we were all just acting and boglands down in Longford, you know, that uh, no one can ever see. Um, but these were a big part of our development, you know, learning your strengths. Learning when you have to hire professionals to do jobs because you're never going to be able to do certain technical jobs and so on. But I think it was from there and just really, I think we've we've um, we've alternate strengths and a lot we've a lot of similar strengths and then we've alternate strengths and I think working together we were able to kind of see that we could be a lot more fully formed together and we could cover each other's accentuate our strengths and cover the weaknesses a lot better when we work together. So it was kind of an organic process to kind of grow from friendship into, you know, looking to do something creative as you got a bit older and it just kind of organically grew. You mentioned kind of it organically growing, it being very natural. So did you guys naturally fall into a pattern in terms of how you share duties? Like when both of you are directing, what does that, I guess, that shared responsibility look like? Are are you kind of down the middle on everything or is someone a little more focused on managing the visuals of some the film? Is someone else more involved with actors? Yeah, like it's, um, yeah, it's a question we get quite a bit and we're always kind of thinking how to answer it. And um, the, 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 I suppose the best thing I can say is the only time we ever think about it is when someone asks us, um, which, uh, which I think is a good sign because, um, because we know each other so long and because we've been working together so long and and because of how we started out with like literally no equipment literally no know-how and we almost kind of developed this kind of quite a fluid way of kind of operating together where we both um we're both but both constantly in constant communication and and because of how we made our shorts with you know very little kind of backing and funding and money we had to kind of prep everything to the hilt, you know, in terms of like, you know, the script had to be beaten into submission um, over an extensive period of time. And then just a list of references that we were using. So we've always very much been on the exact same page. So almost like with, when we're on set, because we've done so much prep, it it, it it's just very fluid. Um, and we kind of just end up sharing um, duties like right, right down the middle. Um, and I think when it comes to writing, like Rob obviously is, is the more experienced writer um, he's he's wrote extensively from a young age. I, I started writing as a kid and I kind of fell away to to try and play football for a little bit, but then kind of came back to it. So Rob definitely brings a, a wealth of experience with um with kind of with structure and, and different references. But um as Rob said there, once we kind of get into the into the nitty-gritty of kind of developing character and dialogue, it just becomes very fluid and 
Um, yeah, it's kind of just a case of kind of best idea wins. And, and more often than not, we're just on the same page and it's similar on set. And um, I'd like to think anyone that's kind of worked with us will kind of get that kind of vibe off of that. It's 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 all very fluid. And, um, you know, we've only ever worked in film kind of by, by operating as 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 a kind of du a duo and, and, and in a team. And I think that lends itself then to building out that team and, and, and kind of continuing that or, or kind of expanding on that. Um, I suppose that that culture of kind of just, you know, shared ideas and, and open creativity. And um, yeah, so it's very fluid. And yeah, we only kind of think about it when someone asks us, which I think is, uh, is, is a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned, Paddy, um, best idea wins. And I was going to ask you about, might be an odd question, but how do you guys argue? I think um, at the crux of anything that's creative, when there's lots of people working together, I would imagine at some point you guys have maybe disagreed on what the best route to go on a script or on a visual or something was. And they can be difficult conversations for people to have sometimes. Um, maybe it's just rooted in your friendship that you understand each other innately. But when you do have conflicting ideas on what the best idea is, how do you handle them? I think for us, it's always about talking it through to the furthest conclusion. Like even when we're agreeing, we devil's advocate the, op the opposite route. Like that's like our most common thing to say to one each other is devil's advocate the other the other route. Just to because like a lot of the time we'll have an idea and we'll be so excited about it. But, you know, you're looking at where it fits within the story and, you know, how it's going to impact later on and it's it's all about kind of just seeing it true to its its furthest point and really seeing it from a bird's eye view then where it sits within the script. And if you travel down those roads and we can go back and forth with it and, and so on, but see, as you talk more and more and you see it within the script, it'll, it'll usually resolve it for you because, you know, it's a big part of it is killing your darlings and killing your favorite scenes and you know, we certainly learned that on, on Lakelands, you know, because you just have to be ruthless with the cut. And I think it's only helped us even more so now. Like I think the further you go on, the more you get used to being a bit ruthless when it comes to making these these hard decisions. And I think if you just keep it with the integrity of the piece and ensure that it's all kind of uniform, whether it, if there's anything out in terms of tone or anything that doesn't fit you just gotta you just gotta abide by those principles you've set out with in terms of the integrity of the work um so for us i think it's just chasing it down every road it can go seeing where you end up at the end and the the solution has never really been something we've we've ever we usually talk ourselves into agreement somehow like whatever roundabout way um so i think that's just it yeah yeah talking it all the way through every angle yeah yeah for for sure and like i think you know as well as that i think just when you have a relationship that's built on trust like i think if someone is 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 saying look like i feel you know very very strong about this particular thing whether it's an issue on set whether it's a story beat whether it's a, a, a plot or whatever it may be and um, you just have to trust them as well that they that maybe they're seeing something that you're not seeing because i think our greatest strength probably is that we kind of bring different things to the table we're, we're, we're strong in the same areas but as Rob said we're also and uh, we also have a different skill set because of how you know where we 
where we worked in the corporate world previously. So you are coming to to set, I suppose, with different life experiences. So um it is important to 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 trust the other person and, and relinquish um you know your control of the situation if, if the other person is is really advocating for something. So there is there's an element of that as well. But I think for the most part it is a case of just talking it to death and, and, and devil's advocate. And I think our our partners don't like that that trade we have of, of devil's advocating every every single situation, but we both love to do it. And but uh, I think it does definitely help when it comes to um storytelling. So I interpret that like two, I suppose, two cornerstones of what you said being one, trusting each other, and two in that process of devil's advocating everything. It's really just digging in story and really focusing in on what serves the story you want to tell best. Rob, you mentioned Lakelands, and I want to get onto Lakelands, but before we go there, I think I would be remiss not to mention your shorts, in particular drifting, because it feels like it touches on similar themes. It's set in the Midlands, and it kind of feels like a precursor to that film in a way. There's two things with that film that tie into Lakelands I'd love to touch on, and one is... Um, location and sense of place and I guess I wanted to dig into how important is sense of place and how important is it for you guys to be making films in Longford and in the Midlands and putting um, your hometown and stuff on screen yeah I mean it was it was very important to us with them yeah those films I think uh, as I said there there is very little history of of film in our in Longford in our county so we we're kind of keen to to showcase that, to showcase the uniqueness of the landscapes, the culture. It's a little bit different to other places. And, you know, just to show our little corner of the world and to get that get that across to people via visuals. Um, I think we also hit on something in terms of voice with that film. You know, you it's it's where we sort of kind of move towards the hyper personal in our work. And that's something we're going to continue to do both in Longford and try to move that abroad in different areas as well. But I think it's 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 an element where we kind of definitely had a breakthrough with drifting was writing that hyper-personal work. And, you know, we were to set it in a world which we knew inside out, like the back of our hands, like, you know, those films are always a bit funny to watch because they're literally in the you know, you're nearly watching like an alternative reality or something where you're just watching the same pubs and the same. It's very close to uh, scenes you've lived yourself. So it's always interesting to watch watch those back. But yeah, I think think for us, it was always it was always something that appealed to us, like going back to our early chats about film. It was always. Feeling the little bits of cinema, things that could be filmic and a lot of the films we we loved were films set in small towns elsewhere in the world. You know, one we kept coming back to was the Last Picture Show, set in a tiny town in Texas, and we always made that argument. You know, if this can resonate in from a little town in the middle of nowhere in Texas, like would there be something in our town that could be kind of people could find something a little bit universal in? So this was all kind of stuff we were kind of playing around with when we decided to kind of move things into making that kind of hyper-local, personalised work. Um, brilliant. And look, it has, I think, by all accounts, served you both very well so far. Um, so it was a good decision to make. And I think 
some of the best work people make is when it is hyper personal, right? You're connected to what you care about it in a different way. The other thing with drifting is casting. And I think this carries through into Lakelands as well. So drifting is Paul Meskel's only short. You cast Paul, I think just before um, normal people, but in Lakelands as well, you cast really, really well. And we'll talk about that kind of separately. But I was wondering, what was your process in terms of casting, drifting and attaching Paul and David? Yeah, for for drifting, we were very like eager to and across the Lakelands, we were trying to treat them as kind of showcases because of this. It's just always really exciting emerging actors coming through in Ireland, like Every year there's exciting actors coming through. And we were just really eager to stack it with like some of the most talented ones we could find in 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 both films. Um in terms of drifting, it was just very much Paul was just bubbling in, in Ireland. You know, he was doing incredible in theatre. He was in all these plays from Gatsby and uh, I think I, we've seen him first in asking for it to play. Um and he was just finished filming normal people when we uh we got him uh, involved so it was very much we just seen what he could do we knew he was from you know the midlands as well well he's from Manute. you know he's on the he's he's not too far from us and um we thought it might be a role that interests him there was a there was you know it was ga adjacent and we knew he was mad about GA and so we just reached out to him and he he responded to the the script and he was good enough to come down to Longford in between I think finishing normal people in Rome and a press junk somewhere else he came down to Longford and which was uh which was a great experience and you know David we had seen in in Michael inside and he'd done some really interesting work across a couple of shorts and you know, we 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 thought he might be interested in in trying to try something different to play a country role because a lot of his work was very Dublin centric, and uh, he responded uh, right away and was up for it. So, and he's become very good mate of ours. He's in Lakelands as well. Um, but yeah, it was just uh, it was just very much trying to find a showcase for these kind of very talented actors, and and luckily they were happy to come down to. Longford and immerse themselves in in the pubs and and farm and all the rest. It's great. So they were direct asks. You didn't go through casting directors. You went straight to the performers. Yeah, our upcoming film will be our first time with a casting director. We've always just cast. We always just watch every short out and try and get as much theatre as we can. And that's kind of been always our cast. We've just never had budget for anything else, to be to be frank. I mean, we just we all we wore a lot of hats on our first couple of films. So I'm going to guess then that Lakelands was cast the same way that you went directly to all of your cast members. Yeah. Great. So that process of making direct asks, um, I'm going to make a guess again and say that it was the script that got everyone involved. And everyone interested so i'd love to dig into the script itself and the process how long had the idea for lakelands as a feature been knocking around 
It was probably one of our oldest ones, GAA, that we wanted to just really make that. It's, I think its first duration was quite a while earlier. It was about three or four years before there was a bit of a rough, rough draft put together of this. I remember we talked about it in, in a pub before I was going on holidays and we got really excited about it and started drafting a bit and started wrecking my girlfriend's head on, on holiday writing this this GAA script. But then we were we had that script and then we were him and hand for a long time on what exactly was the one to go with. Because we had a couple of scripts we were working on to go with the debut. But then we just after the reaction of drifting, I think we we honed in on the the personal angle and decided that this was the one to go for. And after that, we did a pretty thorough redraft of the whole thing and it actually came together quite quickly from when we were rewriting to where uh it was on the on the new version it was probably uh about um a year or so from from getting back into it. So what was the process then like of getting back into it and rewriting? Like how did you guys manage that? How many drafts of the script did you actually do before you start going out and um, trying to attach cast? Yeah, I suppose um the thing with Lakelands was it was um it became like this reverse engineering almost because we knew that there was a huge opportunity with the GA angle that never been kind of a you know a, you know a, a full depiction of that world um and I think we we also felt like there was a big opportunity around kind of rural Ireland and small town depictions and you know farming dairy farming in particular and we felt like we we had an opportunity to to I suppose showcase this world and, and 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 ideally get out there before someone else did it so there was we knew there was an opportunity there but I suppose as well as that there was the necessity of having these things available and not having anything else and um, so I suppose there was a little bit of that when it came to the to the script like I think we wrote a version of it that like had kind of massive kind of set pieces like you know there was going to be a couple of games maybe and just a much bigger production so I think a lot of that kind of rewriting process in the early stages was was being honest with ourselves and saying, look, realistically, we're going to have, you know, a small budget to do this. So let's kind of pair it back. And in a way, by pairing back those kind of big set pieces, it, it, it became this like really intense kind of character driven piece, um, which which we were kind of happy about because we were like, this is actually strengthening it. So um, that necessity, actually, I think, uh, improved the script and, and it started to, to kind of come into focus and um, I think when we yeah I think once we kind of once we got that um, kind of central arc of, of Kean from the moment he's attacked and, and just that journey and um, once we kind of got that down I think everything else kind of begun to, to fall into place but we were constantly kind of doing our own research around concussion and um. I suppose just what that journey looks like and trying to make sure that that was as accurate um a depiction as possible because we did feel a you know a sense of responsibility to depict what that is and you know to to kind of shine a bit of a light on that as well um and then there was just uh, maybe I suppose Rob we did maybe three or four drafts over that year like all the while we were you know kind of raising finance for it you know even once we had once we got the guys involved and um, the, you know, the the three or four main casts uh, involved we were still kind of tweaking the script so we never really kind of stopped tweaking the script until until we started shooting and even once we started shooting then 
we had we were still tweaking the the script because we had an unexpected arrival of a, of a calf. A calf was born on set, so me and Rob were literally in the slatted shed, kind of writing a new scene to to work in this this cool visual we had. So it was definitely a very uh, fluid doc that we were constantly working on. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny once you kind of get to a certain point with a script. You know the characters so well, so it's like you you might just be getting these little kind of these little ideas that are are improving it all the time. But it's um you know once once you become once you go that far into the script into the story and get the character you know the characters that well, it becomes it becomes easy and it becomes fun and kind of the heavy lifting is is done. So it doesn't feel like work anymore when you get a little idea and you tweak a script and um, a little bit. But at the early stages, it was definitely a heavier lift for sure. That's hilarious. The calf scene wasn't actually in the film until it just happened on the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we were, so we were shooting on my dad's dairy farm. Um, again, out of necessity. Um, I think we 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 started off looking around for 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 different dairy farms with that kind of maybe had a, a better setup and stuff. But as uh, budgetary constraints came into focus, we realized we we're going to have to do this on our doorstep. And once we did kind of look at my dad's yard. We 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 seen it in a whole new light, and we were like, "This is actually the perfect base to 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 shoot it," which was which was a blessing. Not having, I suppose, the finances to to explore other options ended up being a bit of a blessing in that sense. But we were shooting in November, and he usually calves all his cows in November, so it was fifty cows calving. So, in the back of our heads, we were like, "Wouldn't it be class if we were able to capture something like that on, um, on camera?" But like. You don't want to put the blight on it. You don't want to be like, oh yeah, we'll we'll that between eleven and one on on Tuesday we'll uh, we'll shoot that. That's just not how it happens. But literally the first, the first day on set on the farm, and um, my dad came bursting in saying that there was a, a cow literally about the calf. So we we threw in into the mix, threw our our DOP Simon Crow into the mix, and um yeah, in a calf the cow and after about thirty seconds of of instruction, which was uh which was cool and like. There's just there was there was a lot of little moments like that, not as I suppose seismic as that one, but there's a lot of little moments like that on set, which I think all filmmakers will 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 uh, will verify that just little things happen, little little moments of of magic or synchronicity or whatever you want to call it, and it's just you feel like everything's kind of lining up in your favor, and and um, it just gives the whole cast and crew such an energy you know on these little moments like that and and sometimes in Longford that's just you know getting a, a lovely sunset where it's not lashing rain you know it's these little moments that um that uh I don't know they 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 just give give a great energy and give people a good buzz I would imagine your AD loved that <laughs> we got on well with everyone but our, our AD had a tough job because we'd be like you know, it's uh, there's a sunset, so we'd just be like, forget this scene. This is inside. We could do this anytime, and like, and she'd be like, you, you can't keep doing this. But um, that's an AD has, a, has an extremely tough job because they have to, you know, keep this whole circus on the road. You know, so um, and they just need to be a certain type of personality to kind of coax and cajole people when when they need to, and um, but be stern at the same time. So yeah, poor Claire had a tough job on on, on the class for sure. I, I love that you were adaptable enough to go, let's go and do it though. And, you know, you knew your story and those characters well enough to know that going off schedule and shooting that, it would make, it would make the edit, you know, it would serve the film. So 
script written, um, you begin to kind of package and to pitch the film. You guys won the Galway Film Fla Marketplace Award um, for Lakelands when you pitched in 2021. Off the back of winning that award, what were the next steps? Did that bolster you guys to go, okay, now's the time to really move and try and make it? Or were you already kind of, were the wheels already in motion? Yeah, we were very much, I think, um, always set in making it the way we made it. I don't think we ever really envisioned any other way of making it. Um, we just, from early on, we kind of looked at the industry and there was a lot of films that, you know, a lot of people have made their first film this way, you know, from from Frank Berry to, you know, uh, Phil Doherty with Redemption of a Rogue. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people who've, who've made very interesting work in this, in this style. So it was very, as soon as we started, decided on, you know, we, we had all these scripts we were considering making, but we were like, Lakelands, set at home, we can make this at home. We can make this the same way we made uh, our previous work. It's just on a bigger scale. So let's, so let's go for it. But, um, so I think that was, I think that's what really strengthened us going into the market is that we had, you know, we had some finance attached and I think it was probably helped in terms of, we were going in very much with, uh, with a plan of bringing this, out getting this made right away and we had we had cast attached we were quite far along actually we we shot i think four months after we won that so i think that helped us place in the in the market because i'd say a lot of the projects are probably in kind of more earlier stages than that so um what the market helped with i suppose was you know it just got us in touch with like you know a lot of distributors um that sort of thing and that kind of the first steps, I suppose, towards um, getting uh, getting a distributor involved, and that's what kind of brought it into the the world of theatrical release and all that. And that was also important as we were looking to do, you know, complete the completion funding route with um, Green Ireland. So it, there was a quite a quite a couple of knock ons from that, I think. But it was it was a great profile boost as well. I think in general, you know, just getting um getting the name the project's name out there and, and word getting around a little bit about it. You mentioned having some finance attached and you pitched at the marketplace. For anyone who has seen the film, I think they would still be surprised at the budget level that you actually made the film at. Are you guys comfortable disclosing in and around what that budget was and what the financing of it actually looked like? Because I have a good idea. We've had conversations in the past but um, I think it's really interesting way the way you guys decided to go and package it. Yeah, like the thing with with with, with that was that um, it was almost like a you know a, we adapted what we done for our shorts and how we financed our shorts, um, and we we kind of just expanded on that because it it was working quite well, and we have we have a brilliant relationship uh, in Longford um, with um, a number of. Um, I suppose funding bodies that have been incredibly supportive of us um, from the jump. Um, so I suppose when we went to them, and they'd obviously supported us with our with our shorts to to an extent, and 
we went to them and you know just proposed this kind of jump up and this step up like we we were we were supported incredibly well and um, that gave us a lot of confidence and, and what we, we learned was once you have a little bit of money other people are more inclined to I suppose get involved and, and all of a sudden you have something of value and you know Creative Ireland Longford where uh, Mary Reynolds in particular was was an incredible support backstage theatre and um, they were they were a wonderful support Longford Arts Office so these local supports that you know on the face of it, you might look at it and say, look, that's not enough to make a feature film, but it was enough to get us started. And we also have our um, we also have our um, media company as well. So we do a lot of advertising, we do some documentary work. So that was able to bridge the gap. So I think all in and um, the budget was about 140K and um, that's including um, pre and, and, and post production. So that was kind of what we were what we were operating with, which is not a large budget by by any stretch of the imagination, but when you have when you're, you know, shooting in your in your hometown and you know you're there's just so so many savings and you're 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 kind of doubling up because you're saving on on rental fees for for locations, but then you're you're doubling down on the authenticity as well. So um, I think it was just a a great strategy that we kind of honed honed in on in our shorts and just applied that then to. Um, to the to the feature production, but like there was some rough times as well that year because like we had our cast attached and like we had like a fraction of the budget, you know. So there was like it wasn't like everything happened in sequence where it was okay. Now we have our cast and now we have our or now we have our budget and now we have our cast. It was like there was a little bit of smoke and mirrors at, at times where we were like uh, getting our cast and then leveraging that to like get some funders interested and. Um, leveraging this uh, this kind of ready to go budget to get distribution, and all the while it was um, we were we were getting pretty close to um, yeah, I suppose having a bit of a gap in, in terms of our finances. But that's part of filmmaking. It's part of indie filmmaking. You know, you just gotta be comfortable, um, in these moments of of uncertainty and just believe in the pro in in the project and, and believe in, in in the in the film and, and just hope and pray that it'll uh, it'll all work out and thankfully with Lakelands uh, it did. Just as mentioned, yeah, for it might be useful to any young filmmakers we got so we would have got completion funding on the back end. So that was kind of a big reason for that uncertainty because you're waiting for that kind of fifty grand. It's gonna kind of cover your your post production of the whole thing. So that leads to a big kind of you know, it's a tough one, kind of when you're waiting for that, because it's obviously a huge boost if you get it, but you you're not you're not certain until you until it comes in. But thankfully, uh, we uh were very grateful to Screen Ireland who came in after after they seen the film and and supported the post production of the the project, which was uh very much welcomed at that stage. I said finances were tin at that point. I suppose one that's a testament to the quality of the film and two at that stage did you guys already have wildcard attached as well as a distributor so screen ireland at that stage potentially knew it was going to be a theatrical release yeah that definitely strengthened it and um, yeah we got a bit of a guarantee from wildcard that was part of the funding as well that got the film made we advanced that into our into our budget and stuff but i think that definitely Definitely does help in terms of getting, getting um completion across the line, uh, letting it know that it will go out to a 
an audience, you know, that it'll be, it'll get its, a cinema release. I think that definitely strengthened their case a lot. I love the approach, Paddy, you kind of mentioned it, that, that idea of going, we basically did what we did with our shorts, but bigger. And there's something you mentioned earlier on about coming from a more corporate world. There's something just what you're describing struck me as like having a company and just simply scaling and figuring that out. And it's probably not something that people may think of looking at the models that we have already in place and just how do we expand them? So it's really interesting to see how you put that money together using exactly what you use when financing your shorts. We were on the same course, Jason, on the advanced producers course. And that's when we're the tier, we were obviously learning um, how to finance a film with all these different disparate threads, but like to the tune of 10 times there, but you know, for what, whatever, 1.5 or 1.7 million. And the theory we had was a little bit of a let's do this in a in a small way. Let's do this in a micro budget format. And you know, we didn't take anything anytime we got anything for development that just went into the budget and we very much just tightened the belt and just anything that came went into the it went onto screen essentially. Um but that was kind of the theory we had on it that you know, as Patty said. They feel like very small chunks if when you're getting you might get five grand here and so on and you might think this isn't going to be enough but over time you know you can really build up you can build up enough to make something you know yeah and just to just to touch on that like i think the, the advanced producers course and, and and the insight we got from there was was absolutely invaluable um and i think having the, the corporate experience that we had um, having that skill set, I suppose, a lot of this kind of um, scaling and, you know, financial modeling kind of came a bit natural to us um, because just given given the experience that we had. So um, I think and, and from the start, once we once we actually set up, once we started writing together and making our shorts, the first thing we did was incorporate Heart Media. And that just gave us a vehicle through which we could you know, attain funding and 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 build relations and, and provide services too to to some of these funding bodies and just build relationships and um kind of fight the war on, on two fronts so that we always had this kind of fallback position, which was heart media that we could go to if if ever we needed to, you know, you know, spend some time actually just making money. Um and but that was very much a a, a side hustle. Um until maybe COVID happened. And then once COVID happened and we were all working from home and the world was a bit topsy-turvy, um, there was just a moment that year where we were like, let's just quit our jobs and put every single bit of money we get between now and we, we shoot this film, get every little bit of money and just put it towards the film. So we were like unemployed for the year the year before we shot Lakelands. We were unemployed, like living on the bread line was on the COVID payment and we were just like but it was it it served us because no one was going out there was no holidays so everyone else was like you know this is terrible this sucks like and me and Rob like was the happiest we'd ever been because we're like we had no distractions we got to write and we didn't get you know we didn't feel guilty about like not going to events and stuff um, and that became this little kind of creative bubble that we were able to write and begin to finance the film without any distractions and um, that culminated then in in Lakelands being shot that November and I think we we quit our jobs maybe 
think it was like just a year, like literally a year before that. So, um, so that was definitely a catalyst for, for Lakelands. Um, hopefully we don't have to quit our job now before the next one. Hopefully that was what's up as opposed to like a, a, a part of the strategy going forward. But um, it definitely helped us um, with, with that project for sure. Love it. Absolutely love it. How long did, how long did you shoot for? How long did the budget give you guys? Yeah, it was 17 days. I think the original, we thought it was 16 days. And Claire was like, you, you just need one more, boys. I don't think this is going to be a pleasant experience if you just don't stretch this for one more day. She was actually like, she was actually like, you need like four or five more. We were like, you, you, we'll, give, we'll give you one. So 17 and... It was a fine shoot, you know. I don't think we ever went over more than a couple of minutes, and we'd we'd always make sure to give it back. So it's just we've since shot like shorts, produced shorts and stuff in Dublin, and it's such a different ball game. Like down the country, it's quiet. You can get anywhere. We know the place like the back of our hand. It's we can shoot down there on schedule quickly, without <laughs> without any random stuff popping up. So. The shoot itself was actually, I think it was with that, the fact that we shot quite a few things down there and we shot in quite quite a lot of the locations and just knew the lay of the land. And you were never, even if anything popped up, you always had someone there, you know, if an extra cancelled on you, you could call your buddy and he'd, he'd rock up within 20 minutes. And just the sense of community you get shooting in a small town like our, our town of Granard carried us over so much of the speed bumps of what you know could have been a full on fairly full on shoot you know in that time frame um doing something like 90 pages in 17 days yeah and and there was something else there was something about like you know because of how we made it and because of like what we had to do to like um you know bring this kind of project together and like you know get that budget going and we just felt like we had all our chips on the table. This was like one shot. And like if if we messed up or if it didn't materialize for whatever reason, like this was our one shot. So I think when you're when you kind of when you're coming from that place, like you you know, instead of like obviously getting a million quid budget for your first feature, you might have a different mindset because you're like, it's not your money effectively, you know. And um, whereas I think how we made it, we were like, it just felt like our backs were against the wall or something and like we and and but that forced us to like prep this thing within an inch of its life like we were like you know we'd be like going through each day so like day 12 we'd be there and we'd be like visualizing how this day was going to go and like these these and because we were producers on as well we were like okay you know these two units are going to move from here to here and that's going to take like we had it down to like the minute you know and then we were also building into the plan, like, okay, if we get, if the light's not perfect in this scene, let's just flip it inside. And like, because everything was in such close proximity, it it, it allowed us to do that. But like, we had this thing just prepped like for weeks before just going through this schedule. And like, um, it just, it, it just made the whole 17 days just run, run really smooth. And then we just had an incredible team of people like that were, okay with operating at this speed and at this pace and, and being put under pressure at times to get you know to break down a rig or to like you know to move location and to hop around and like i i think it, it, it did come back to trust as well like i think we all trusted each other and we 
we all had this massive night out after five days where we all just got absolutely drunk as skunks in the local pub and like I don't know it just gelled us all together it felt like it was us against the world or something and it was the middle of COVID too so like you know I think people appreciated that we were we were obviously taking COVID serious to a point but like we were still you know just to clarify there was no regulations broke there and that it was a journey <laughs> it was during the break no 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 of course not Rob of course not um but there was well like I think people you know the team was was gelled together through that, through having a little bit of adversity and, 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 you know, because COVID was such a real thing at any time, like we were getting tested twice a day. And if anyone came down with, with COVID, you know, that like if Danny or Anna or even myself or Rob kind of got COVID, the, the entire project was in jeopardy because we didn't have budget to, to go beyond the 17 days. And it just felt like we were walking a tightrope. And I think when you're, when you're creating from that place as a team, people, Everyone just was going above and beyond for each other. Um, and it just created a really cool um, environment. I think that's brilliant. And I do think it's kind of that thing. If you have like this massive palette, right? And every piece of paint in the world, like it can be so much harder to paint or do something creative. But when you have these um, constraints, I think it forces you to think in like different ways. And actually having a box that you have to work within can be really beneficial. You mentioned, Paddy, how much you prepped it. 17 days is a really lean shoot. You may not know the exact answer to this off the top of your heads, but I'm curious how much was left on the cutting room floor versus what you shot. How economic were you in filming? Like, is 90% of what you shot in the film, is 80%, you know, some people might just like shoot a lot of coverage um, and see what helped put it together in the edit. I don't get the sense that that's what you guys did. I assume you knew what every cut was going to be, at least in some capacity before you started. Yeah. With the time frame, we were just very much, I'd say it's around 90% is up there. And the only things that were kind of lost were probably whole scenes that were just taken out for pacing. There was about three, three or four of them to just were a little bit redundant on the the information they were given, so we just kept it as lean, lean as possible. But other than that, I don't think there was much, like, for us it was, we we wanted to know every cut before, and we had a lot of references. We had a huge reference board of, of how the whole thing was going to look and from other, shots from other films and stuff and just making sure, you know, we very much on the shorts we were very much learning our trade while we were doing it and we were very eager to avoid having any awkward cuts or anything in 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 lakeland so we really hyper planned that down to the minutiae and yeah i think that's what facilitates moving quick because you know you know exactly where you're coming in getting out and just you, you don't have time to just figure it all out really like you kind of have to know what you want to do or you're going to fall behind and then suddenly the whole day gets out, gets away from you you know so it's um yeah and and just just to just to touch on that as well like i think you know we started doing this thing that we ended up doing for the entire shoot and it was um at, before we shoot a scene we'd be like okay what's the cut into this and at the end of it we'd be like what's the cut out of this and even if we hadn't shot that we'd be like constantly thinking like that and then it almost became second nature and I'm sure filmmakers do that anyway, but because we had no 
film school and we learned you know cut our teeth on, on shorts you know even just that one you know I suppose flipping mindset of like this might look class it might be a great intro to this scene it might be a great exit to the scene but if it's not cutting with what comes next you know it's not serving the story and it's actually a waste of time it's a waste of your it's it's just a waste of it's a waste of your energy and I think with 17 days you're just trying to be as efficient as possible so that one little that one little mindset shift that we we I suppose incorporated from the start was just that 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 had a huge impact to in 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 ensuring that we didn't have too many um too much left on the cutting room floor thankfully in communicating then what your coverage is um are you guys shot listing are you storyboarding um Rob you mentioned you know having visual references for I'm assuming Simon and the rest of the crew, but in terms of actually arriving day one, shot lists, boards, what's the process there? We did a little bit of everything. We didn't storyboard, but we did. We uh, shot listed it. We um, then we had that hundred and twenty page reference doc, which is just references from different films, which is kind of our storyboard kind of thing. It just had planned. Then we did a couple of days where Simon come down and we just work out the blocking then. Um, there's always a bit of room. We always had a bit of room with the blocking on the actors, you know, always want to feel what's natural for them as well. But just so we had a, something to work with on the day, you know, we did, I think Simon came down for two or three days of just uh, walking around in, in, the, in the areas and stuff before that. And we were able to get a feel of the movements of the scenes. But um, yeah, a little bit of everything, um, just just to feel as, as comfortable as possible before you you dive into that whole madness. The reference deck that you mentioned, you said 120 pages of images that kind of act like your storyboard. So were you going then and pulling images that matched not just kind of visual style and color, texture, tone, but also like the framing of each? What what? each shot would look like yeah yeah i think it definitely it definitely had both like i think some of them were like literal blocking references for some scenes and then other ones were like you know i suppose kind of tone or just feel of a scene and um, so there was kind of like mood setting and imagery there as well but i think so much of it was um almost like for like references you know that you know once we tried to um obviously you know block out a scene it 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 changes and stuff so it does become um almost like um it's it's an influence almost um but i think it just gave us this really clear idea of what we wanted this story to look like just visually you know in terms of tone in terms of texture in terms of blocking um and it was just a really it, i suppose with when it comes to um storyboarding I suppose myself and Rob can't draw at all. And I think we tried to do it like once or twice. And I was like, this is, this is a dog's dinner. Like we, I'll never forget trying to do it. And I was like, how do filmmakers do this? So like, we were like, we're going to have to come up with an alternative. And we kind of stumbled upon just creating these, you know, massive reference books. And like Rob's constantly just throwing stuff in, no matter what the project is, he's constantly building up these reference books. And um, it just, I don't know. It, it It's, it's probably not as, you know, I think it's not probably not as efficient as a storyboard when it comes to, you know, getting really specific, but I think it, it works for us. And I think so much of being, you know, 
trying to make films and tell stories about finding what works for you because there's more than one way to, to kind of skin a cat and um I think that just really really helps us get a feel for what we want it to look visually look like visually and um definitely helps with blocking tricky scenes as well like I think even when you're just watching it you know even if it's just a, a bit of a two-hander in a scene and like but there's a little bit of movement like it can be really difficult to just you know visualize that so I think even just watching films and just getting references for how you know where the camera is uh, and, and and where where the actors are, are as well I think it's just it's just it's just it's just helpful to you know just have done your homework watch lots of films and and, and pull as many references as you can because um instead of uh, I suppose leaning on your own expertise especially when you don't have any expertise because you've you know obviously made a couple of shorts <laughs> that in and of itself is like massive amounts of research right that you guys are undertaking to ensure you know exactly what you want visually so even if something is wrong on the day or you don't like the look of it you you know how to fix it i would imagine paddy you mentioned like watching a bunch of movies rob when you're pulling those images are you are you using shot deck are you using pinterest are you just googling what's the process there for actually doing that research yeah um i'm usually just using the snip tool you know the the images aren't like that high quality or anything um it's just to get a feel of the mood and the look and everything but i mean you start off with a couple of films that are kind of your core core references you know for or like for this i mean some of the films we were looking at were like you know god's own country uh, and lee some chloe Zhao's early films um andrew haig's weekend and these are all films that were made for low budgets like ours would look gorgeous uh columbus by Koganada. so these are kind of ones and so suddenly you got a couple of scenes and you got you got a little bit of mood from one of them and you're building that out and then once you have that little core you I'm constantly watching movies and if I just see something I like, I'll just, I'll just snip it and uh, drop it in, in the book. And it's just to give it a little bit of a feel. And I find it really beneficial because I, I think you actually learn that you learn angles and frames very well from, from actually pausing to do it. Um, so you can kind of get a feel for, for how certain ones could look like with that. You, you might not naturally visualize right away. But um, it's just about, yeah, you, you get your core images and I never expected it to be as big as that that was for Lifelands, but it just keeps, you know, keeps growing and growing organically. You know, we're constantly, if we're making something, we're constantly watching watching stuff and anything that's kind of similar. Or, sorry, if we're writing something, we're constantly watching stuff and just kind of like, you'd never know where you pull a little bits of um, so what what might spark something or what looks looks great. Um. So it just grows organically from there, you know. We're we're very much in that process now with the with the next one, and you know, it starts off quite small, and lo and behold, before you know, by a year's time, suddenly you've got about a hundred images that it's kind of kind of gives you a feel and the tone and the the look of the the thing. Whatever tools we have that help us communicate what it is we want, because it can be hard to do in language sometimes, right? So. Like it, picture says so much more. Big time. With Lakelands, I wanted to talk to you guys also about your process in terms of working with actors and your cast. Um, Aina and Danny 
both nominated for IFTAs for their performances in the film. Um, won the Bingham Ray New Talent Award at Galway Film Flat. Um, I was wondering, did you guys rehearse? What did that process look like if you did? Are you just having table reads, talking about character, and then how you guys manage performance on set? So yeah, we 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 definitely did rehearse. Uh, we had a couple of table reads um, with Danny, Aina, and we had Lorcan Cranich down as well. And um, whenever we get to that stage of the process, like we just we 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 love working with actors. Like it's it's what it's all about, you know. Watching watching talented actors kind of bring characters to life and put their own twist on it, and and show you things that you might necessarily have even seen in 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 the characters you've written in the first instance. So. We always compare it to something going from two D to three D, um, and like it's just it's a it's a part of the process that we we really enjoy, and and I think we definitely had a very clear idea of these characters in our head, but part of that process, that table read rehearsal process, it was it was obviously an element of it was putting, you know, some of this language into their own words and and, and kind of fine tuning the dialogue in that sense, but a more important element of it was creating this. This shadow play, as 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 Danny always called it, which is I suppose the the stuff that's going on with these characters that you don't necessarily see, um, on you know when you read the script, um, and I think that fuels so much of the the scenes and 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 the dialogue and the arcs and, um, it's just it's just getting to know it's a it's a way to get to know the characters effectively, um, and not all ideas that are thrown out are, um obviously worked but i suppose that you know by by devil's advocating things you know you you kind of you definitely get to know the characters better so and um, that process really helped the guys and and helped us to move quickly on set once we got there because we had talked these characters to death we talked these scenes to death so if something popped up on set we were all able to answer it quite quickly between the four of us effectively because we were like would she do that no i think she might do this and then danny be like yeah actually that's exactly what you do or or vice versa maybe maybe we'd have a suggestion and then she'd be like i don't think she'd do that because of you know this particular situation that's going to arise in, in, in four or five scenes so um just having that opportunity to get to know the characters but to get to know the characters together as a team because we can all go away and do our own research and get our own takes but when you meet up you're not actually in unison you're not actually on the same page you might all have great ideas but you're not actually aligned so doing that aligning and um, during that read through was was uh was was class and like it's definitely something we'll be trying to replicate on on, on future projects because it, it worked um it worked really well and then when it came to just working with the guys on set they're like you know as i said like we love working with actors but like they, we were we were pinching ourselves with the, the level of talent that we were after um convincing to come to longford for for half nothing in the middle of covid like so um we were definitely just pinching ourselves and just letting them do their thing and just you know keeping your notes to you know keep them pointed keep them direct and let them do their thing don't get in the way of of them like they're they're the experts and you've trusted them with the project and just let them do their thing and we've always had that kind of approach and um yeah it was it was it was it was it was it was fun to watch them kind of bring different things to each take and and just bring the story to life it's just really fun being on set it's just it's just it's the best part of the process everything else 
as you said, Jay, feels like uh, some, sometimes feels like you're pushing a boulder up a hill, but that's definitely when the boulder's rolling down when you're on set and they're in full flight. I remember years ago, I think it was when the Martian was out and the Hollywood Reporter do like these roundtables with directors coming up to award season and listening to Ridley Scott talk. Someone asked him about how he got performance out of Matt Damon. And Ridley Scott's answer at the time was something along the lines of, I just told him to do the lines. And <laughs> like, I was very early days into my career then. And I was like, I called bullshit. He just doesn't want to tell us his secrets. But what I realized, <laughs> like when you start working with like really, really good performers, you're going, actually, I don't have to do that much. It was that yeah. thing of, I love that idea, Paddy, the language you used there about like, that alignment, just getting everyone aligned. And then it's kind of trusting them to go and inhabit and actually live on screen. Um, so it's great. What was the hardest part of making the film? Rob, I might jump in. I, I, think, I, I think I have one. You'll, you'll hopefully have a different one. But the hardest part for one of the hardest parts, like the hardest part for me anyway, one of the hardest parts for us was when we we'd we'd be shooting for five day blocks or six day blocks and then we'd take a day off maybe and like when we're like just racking up scenes and everything is everyone is uh you know in flight as i said earlier and then you stop and you have to switch back into producer mode and you're thinking about prepping for the next block and those moments would just be torture and you'd be like just get me back on set you know get me back and um, working with with the crew and the cast and just those moments of stopping where like you'd have a, like a, a break, you'd have a pint and you'd relax. And then it'd be like, just the phone would start ringing almost with like this kind of week long prep that you'd been ignoring because you were focused on the previous block. <laughs> so those moments were, I think the toughest for me anyway. What do you reckon, Rob? Yeah, I'd say something similar, but I think it was actually the week just before it was the toughest for me. Just because um, with the producing as well, you're just you're trying to stack everything and you know we were you're trying to have every as, as Paddy was saying earlier you're trying to have live every day and you're trying to have every lift every everything organized for three weeks solid and it's just a recipe for for sheer anxiety really just like just endless possibilities of things to go wrong and you're sitting there trying to like you're like I've everything done sitting there watching a football match and enjoy it though I'm just freaking out here kind of <laughs> so yeah and then you know you you think early on you're grappling with uh, you're just doing this you don't need permission to do this but it's kind of coached in the industry that there is a need for permission and you're kind of blown through it to, to go do this thing of your own with no safety net or, or ropes and stuff so it's just about getting your head through that and you know why not why not go and do it because it's nothing stopping you really but uh it's just getting your head into that that mode breaking through that kind of thing that's kind of i think quite prevalent that idea of waiting for permission to do such and such just getting your head through you don't need it really and what was what was the biggest mistake you guys made in the process then oh that's a good one and mainly I ask because I think I, I would imagine there could be a multitude of like small things that you do when you fix and you solve, but mistakes and failures are like the best way we learn. And I'm sure there's things you've taken from Lakelands that you're going to 
bring into the next. I think one that jumps to mind is um, we learned just never like switch off on set ever because we had this first week and we were totally on time and we had the softest Friday ever. Like we were like doing two and a half, very little, like two and a half pages or something. And everyone was like, we were going then in for a few drinks that night. Everyone was in great form and we just kind of let the light get away from us. It wasn't a major thing at all. We got a shot at the following Monday right away. But it was just such a keen reminder, like, you know, we kind of wasted an afternoon there just because we weren't fully switched on. And for the rest of the thing, we were just like on every second. It was like a nice warning to get because... Yeah, just never switch off at all. Like never think it's 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 a soft, you know, scene or anything like that, or you've loads of time, you never know when when it'll get away from you. So that was a good one to learn, I think. Yeah, and I'd say I'd honestly say the same. Um, and maybe just expand it out to just other instances that you know, that was obviously the the headline incident because like it went from potentially shooting Key and in this brightly lit um kind of uh, conservatory area and it was all bright he was having a cigarette to like we lost the light so he was going to have to move inside to this empty hall and just gave the it would have given that whole um, scene and his character just a it just wasn't working because he needed to be out just for, for the story he needed to be he needed to be outside and bright and light just where the story was at and stuff and, and because we didn't have that much time that was um, that, that, that could have been not necessarily fatal, but it could have had a, a massive impact. Um, and I think there was just a lot of other incidences where we, yeah, as soon as we took the foot off the path, as soon as, because we were operating at such a pace and everyone was so used to operating at this pace, as soon as we started to relax, everyone else started to relax. So we just started to slip. So there was just a, a few other days where we'd, we'd run over and there was probably no need to run over. We just, you know, we, we were a bit slow getting started after lunch or, we were a bit too lax in terms of, you know, oh, we will give another take or someone wanted another go at something. We're like, yeah, why not? You, you know, and, and it just had these knock-on effects and, and any time pressure came on us, it was because we lost focus, you know? And I think being honest with yourself, because you, it's very easy to be having a row with your AD, you know, when you're gone over by 15 or 20 minutes saying you're being unreasonable. But I think on reflection, once you've actually reflected on it, you're, you, you have to be honest with yourself and you're like, she's doing her job we've we we've not done our job we've not you know kept this within the time constraints that we have available to us and we were we would always be able to bring it back to where we'd lost focus and i think once and 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 you know problems do arise on set and i think anytime a problem would arise if 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 you know we didn't always do it but on reflection it's it's so important as the the kind of as as the as the directors, you have to put, and producers, you have to put your hand up and say, this is on us. We're going to put something in place now to make sure that never happens again, because you are ultimately responsible for everything that happens on set. The film doesn't work if an actor falls out with you, if whatever, if you run out, it's, it's on you, you know, um, and that's can be quite a daunting uh, idea to accept, but it's also quite freeing because you feel you, you, you're, you are kind of in complete control. With Lakelands and how we made that, I'm sure in other films there's there's other constraints and it's it's a different dynamic. But I think taking responsibility and not losing focus and um not spending too long having lunch, relaxing. That's <laughs> it's always I think it's perpetually slow coming back after lunch. Oh man, um, yeah, yeah, it's. Oh. 
But I love that. Like what you're talking about, like it's, it's ownership, right? It's yeah. like own everything. And I think that is the the responsibility that comes with the credit, you know, um, directed by, written by, produced by. Um, Got to stand over every decision you make. Um, is there, as you guys didn't go through that traditional film school, you cut your teeth on shorts. Are there any resources or books that impacted your learning or your journey like any kind of must reads i'm trying to think of just a book we did a lot of the crawling around youtube that sort of type uh education on our on, on our early stuff but i think most of it came from um conversations with friends maybe people who were dipping their dipping their uh, feet into the film world and you know like when we were starting out we really didn't know anything you know we didn't know the jobs that there are even on a film that's only yeah probably not even that long ago relatively so they were kind of a big big resource I'm trying to think if there are any any books in terms of books most of the stuff we actually read was kind of more on the business business end of the books stuff because we always seem to grow to the company being kind of important to to the viability of this thing so we really a lot of uh business books are, are listening to them on, on audible and that sort of thing um but most of our film knowledge i think trial and error and to be honest i think simon crow our, our dop deserves a huge huge amount of credit on uh on his <laughs> his uh film school he gave us because um you know he, he shot all our, our shorts with us and um he definitely would have nudged us in the right right direction and you know even being given those parameters it gave you something to to learn about you know from if you even you're hiring these jobs or the, the tech requirements you have to go off and learn about it from from here and there so that was a little bit of a framework that would allow us to do it and he'd do it in a gentle way just in a sort of have you thought about this and you'd be no but i will now you know that sort of thing, sort of thing and it was a gradual kind of process. And then you, you become fluent eventually, I think. Yeah, and look, I think every day is a school day as well, right? You're always going to be learning more every time you get on set. Yeah. <laughs> What's next for you guys? So we are, yeah, we're, we've just finished our, uh, the writing of our, our next film, which is called Bonfires, which is again, kind of set in the Midlands, but uh, hopefully bigger scale. Um, and we've also started, we've got, spent kind of the last six months writing a lot. So we've, um, we've got three or four scripts getting close to kind of completion now, uh, between film and TV. And we're just starting to explore where they might find homes. And we're trying to explore writing abroad and that we've write, just finished our first US script. Um, so we we got representation out there recently in the last year or so just to explore the waters out there we're we're, we're looking out there and going to try and get out there in the this year at some point but uh yeah we've been just really enjoying the writing process at the moment we feel we really kind of hit a new rhythm with it and a way to kind of turn things over in a quicker way um i think the more you get at it the better you get at the whole figuring out the structure and 
particularly making Lakelands help to a lot of things. I think you ju just from sort out the edit and all that, you learn a lot of the story mechanics and stuff. So trying to utilize that and and bring it to uh, new stories and explore bigger canvases. Well, look, I think it's really exciting that one, you guys have bonfires in the works. I can't wait to see it. Big fan of what you are doing. Um, I'm assuming it's also in that hyper-personal vein. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I love what you are doing and I can't wait to see what is next. Thank you both so very much for taking the time out and chatting to me. No worries, Jay. Thanks so much for having us. And that's a wrap on Rob Higgins and Paddy McGivney. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, please follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're really enjoying the show, please rate us. If you have comments, questions, or filmmaking topics you'd like me to cover on the show, please put them in the comments on Instagram at the Filmmakers Playbook Podcast. Additionally, you can follow me on Instagram at Jason Brannigan Director. You can find Rob on Instagram at Robert Higgins3. Paddy is at paddy.mcgivney. You can also follow their company, Hark Media, on Instagram at Hark Media Films. Links and social media handles are also posted in the show notes. Join me next week when I talk to Morris O'Carroll and Sinead O'Reardon about their feature film, Swing Bout. Until next time. <laughs>